Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. I want to talk about, as we enter into this Thanksgiving season and time, gratitude and ingratitude. So really it's gratitude versus ingratitude. By design, God created us on purpose in his own image and likeness. Why? So that we can manifest his glory or characteristics in the earth among men. In other words, he wants to live in us so who he is can manifest through us. Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified, and Christ is alive in me. Think about that goal we all should have. I want Christ to live his life in me and through me as I live my life in the earth. Well, one of the characteristics of our Lord we know and understand is thankfulness or gratitude, we could say. How do we know that? Because when Jesus was here on earth, he modeled being thankful. He was very thankful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But he was very thankful, and he modeled that. You're going to see how important gratitude is to the Lord our God. Now, when man fell, one effect that it had upon his life was he became unthankful, full of ingratitude. Didn't appreciate all the things that God had provided for him. See, before he fell, if you could say it this way, the umbilical cord was connected to life and the living God. But when he fell, that cord was removed and attached to a wrong spirit, the spirit of death. And the spirit of death took over the life of man. His heart was darkened, estranged or separated from God, drawing his life from the uh, life of God's enemy which was the life of death, if you could say it that way. So all of a sudden, he has a heart change. And in that heart change, he becomes ungrateful and unthankful to God, even though God was good to him. Well, God doesn't appreciate ingratitude or unthankfulness. And we're going to show you that. Not at all. And there were severe consequences for people that maintain an attitude of ingratitude in their lives. So, first of all, let's define ingratitude. It's a forgetfulness of or poor return for kindness that's been received. Did you ever open up the door for someone, maybe at a shopping mall or store or something like that? And you gladly did it, and they walked right on out and never even acknowledged you. Has that ever happened to you? Did maybe some of you say, well, that's gratitude. Did you ever say that? That's gratitude sarcastically you're saying well that's gratitude right sure we probably have all done that not that you were looking for a thank you or anything like that it's just a courtesy that we normally say thank you now the person could have been somewhere else in their thought life thinking about something else and as a result just walked right on through and didn't even think to say thank you but a little part of you said hmm that's gratitude for you how about if someone maybe you let out in the, as you're driving down the highway or the road or a parking lot or wherever, and you let them go in front of you? Weren't you looking for that little wave in the mirror? You ever done that? And you didn't get it? 
Now that's gratitude for you. See, there's a kindness that you offered, but there is no return of gratitude or thank you for you know, letting me out. I appreciate that very much. We could also say that uh, it's defined by not valuing or appreciating what you have or what you've been given. And that's something to think about. We have certain things given to us by God. For example, the freedom that we have living in this country is a wonderful thing. We should be so thankful to live in the United States of America. People are clamoring to get into this nation that we were born into and appreciate so very, very much. Right? We should be thankful and never take it for granted. But too often we don't. And as a result, of course, there's a decline. But we won't even get there yet. But let me show you something in Numbers 21. Because here we have a revelation of God's attitude toward ingratitude among his own people. These are his very own people. But in Numbers 21, look at verses 4 and 5. And this is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. That's gratitude for you. <laughs> wouldn't you say <laughs> well rather than being thankful for the freedom that God gave them as he delivered them from slavery in Egypt they're focusing on the things that they don't have they're complaining about the journey they're complaining about the food they're complaining about no water and the list just goes on and on and on and they're complaining against God complaining against Moses not grateful or thankful you see they're not even considering the past blessings the present blessings, and the future promised blessings of the Lord. The past blessings being, they were brought out of Egypt as slaves. And there was not, they came out with silver and gold and not one feeble among their tribe. So God worked a wonderful miracle on their behalf and brought them out. That was a past miracle and a past blessing. They could have focused on that. And then he brought them to a place where they were traveling in the wilderness, but they were en route to a promised land. And in that place, they don't realize it, but he was providing protection for them, food for them. And how about this one? Their clothes were not shrinking. Their clothes were growing with them. Their shoe sizes were growing with them. God was performing miraculous things in their lives at that moment. And they could not and did not appreciate what God was doing for them right then and there. But then the promised blessings of the promised land. Can you imagine this? A uh, land that flows with milk and honey was right before their eyes. A land where they can enjoy and experience everything their hearts could possibly desire. He said, in that land, I will bless your food. I'll bless your bread. I'll bless your water. I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. The number of your days I will fulfill. There will not be any barren in the land. You won't cast your young. Think about it. All these wonderful blessings that were awaiting them. So they had past, present, and future blessings awaiting them in the promised land. What were they doing? They weren't focusing on any of that. They were focusing on what they didn't have. Their perspective and focus were wrong. Look at Numbers 21, verses 6 through 9, and we can see God's response to their ingratitude. 
We could call it the sin of ingratitude. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And many were bitten and died. Then the Lord, I mean, then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And all who are bitten will live if, if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. So now notice. They didn't realize that while they were in the wilderness, there were wild beasts, venomous snakes, and all kinds of things that God was protecting them from. There was a cloud by day, a fire by night, that's heating and cooling, air conditioning, that he was providing for them. There were angels mounting guard to keep the Egyptians away from them. He was also meeting every need that they had, but protecting them from all those poisonous snakes that were among them. Do you think they just showed up? Did they drop out of the sky? They were already there. And they were marching through the wilderness. They were already there. They're going through the desert. They're already there. That's where they live. That's their habitat, place of habitation. So during that time, God's hand was upon them. God was delivering them. God was protecting them, providing for them. It was happening now. But they complained and complained and complained and complained. Showed no gratitude or thankfulness for what the Lord was actually doing right at that moment. So what happens? Okay. For their sin of ingratitude, he removes his hand of protection. Have at it. See what it's like now. When God removes his hand of protection from the people, did he want to? No. It was judgment that fell upon them. Death came upon them. Why? The sin of ingratitude. And all of a sudden, these people are dying. Whoa, they wake up. We've sinned against you. We spoke against you. We spoke against God. We spoke. We just complained and complained. And so they, had, of course, admitted their sin. Now do something about this situation. He says, I'm not taking away the snakes. Now it's up to you to do something. I'm going to put that serpent up on the pole. I'm going to show you a remedy for ingratitude. You know what the remedy is for ingratitude? That serpent on a pole represents the greatest sacrifice ever known to mankind you look at that because you see you better be grateful because what you've done causes this on that cross Jesus had to become sin the curse mental anguish sickness disease and everything connected to the fall of man you better be thankful you look up at that. You get bitten. You better be thankful that there's a remedy. It's right there. He corrected their ingratitude in a heartbeat. And if you got bit, you better look or you die. What, how does that speak to us? You know what? The sacrifice has been made. The blood has been shed. He became that curse already. It's a done deal. Now it's ours. We've got every blessing. He became the curse that we might be blessed. 
We have the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. We're blessed with faith for Abraham. We're blessed coming in, going out in the city, in the field, in the basket, in the store. All that we set our hand to do will prosper. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Why? Because of that sacrifice. So in other words, right now, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're encountering in this wilderness of life, God's doing some great and mighty things right now. Provision has already been provided for us there is protection for us there is deliverance for us there is healing for us obviously we've been saved by his grace and so all that is ours when now what are we looking forward to glory eternal glory praise God aren't you glad that these bones of ours that are waxing old that we realize and recognize are fading away we know the inward man is renewed daily but the outward man perishes and one day we'll go back to the dust of the earth should Jesus tear his coming but there is a day that's coming praise God when this body that you're living in that I'm living in will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we will be glorified so we have a longing and a hoping for the day when that day does come but praise God we're all on our way to the place of eternal glory right now and so right now while we're here on this earth we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places thank God for that and one day we're going to have eternal glory. And so we should be a people of great gratitude, not ingratitude. Being thankful to God for what he's done. That was one example. But this next one is really an eye-opener. And I'll tell you what, when I studied this, it opened up my eyes. There should be a longing desire for every one of us to be like Jesus. A desire to be conformed to his very image and likeness. To be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To press in until we begin to act more like him. Talk more like him. Walk more like him. Speak more like him. That should be the longing desire and goal that we all have. Paul said, if need be, I could have his resurrected power manifested in my flesh. That was his longing desire. That should be our longing desire. We should be so busy working on ourselves that we don't have time to look at anybody else. Their faults, their flaws, their failures, their shortcomings... We should have nothing to do with. Look at self. Amen. Get the beam out of the eye. Before you take the toothpick out of the other. In Romans chapter 1. This is very enlightening. Look at verse 21, 22 and 28. Look at these verses. Because that when they knew God. They glorified him not as God. What is it that man is supposed to do in the earth? Glorify God. Didn't Jesus say I glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do so when they knew God they glorified him not that's what man was created to do to glorify God to manifest his glory in the earth which means his nature his characteristics one of which is thankfulness or gratitude neither were what thankful they didn't glorify God and neither were thankful. Notice the first thing he says. They had an attitude of ingratitude. They were not thankful. But became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. Now look at verse 28. Powerful verse. And even as, as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. A reprobate mind is a depraved mind. It is a mind that is debased. It is a mind that resists the truth. 
It is a mind that in the eyes of God is corrupt. The consequence of them not living to glorify God and not being thankful to God for who he is and for the life that he gave them was that they were turned over to a reprobate mind. In other words, their thinking was so marred that they actually thought evil was good and good is evil. Are we not living in that society here today? Absolutely. Once again, we hear of saving the animals but killing the babies. Think about it. Doesn't make any sense, does it? You say, well, why do so many think that way? Because of a reprobate mind. They place more value on an animal than a human life. Now, don't get me wrong. We know that God created all the animals and they're very special. But the highest creature and creation is mankind. And we should honor that. Not forsake that. Now, Jesus knew that man was to glorify God and be thankful. And he modeled being thankful for every single one of us to see what it's like. He displayed gratitude to his father for all things that would be done through him. If you recall, when he was there before the gravesite of Lazarus, what did he say? Father, I thank thee that you have heard me. Think about those words. Because God doesn't mince words. God doesn't just throw, throw a lot of words out there. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Powerful words that enabled him to stand before the grave of a dead man for four days whose body's decaying and say, roll away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, who was bound in grave clothes and so on. You know the story. But imagine that. Even though these people saw that miracle, many still did not come to Christ. Isn't that a sad scenario? Well, in the book of Romans chapter 1, let's read this from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read all these verses to show you that because these people refused to be grateful and thankful, refused to glorify God, and they displayed ingratitude and unthankfulness in their lives, God turned them over to this reprobate mind. And let's read what a reprobate mind is all about. Let's read it. Romans chapter 1. This is from the New Living Translation. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God or glorifying Him, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them or turned them over to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sex relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they 
thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. How about that one? They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. That's a depraved mind. That's a reprobate mind. That's a mind that was turned over to that way. Why? Because they refuse to glorify God in their lives and be thankful to him for the life that he's given them. So he said, okay, that's what you want. That's what you got. Think about that. What a place to be in. And we see that in our society today. As a matter of fact, uh, Brother Chuck was just sharing with me today that he heard that the number one religion that they call it a religion now in our country is atheism. How about that one? Atheism. They call it a religion. We know no one's smart enough to be an atheist, but that's okay. They don't know that because they have a reprobate mind. See, they don't think that. They don't know that. So we're dealing with people that think an animal is more important than a child. That think that what we just read to you should never be spoken publicly because it's putting a group of people down. But in actuality, it's opening up people's eyes with truth. Because you see, we're concerned about the bridge being out. You're going down a highway. The bridge is out. There are warning signs along the road, but they don't acknowledge them or see them. It's not that you hate them. It's that you love them. And you care for them. You don't want them to go off, down, and die. You want them to be spared and saved. And so you tell them what the scriptures teach. I've had people say, well, that's not in the New Testament. I just read it in the New Testament. Did I not? And there's other places in the New Testament, including the book of Revelation, that says it's a closed door to those that practice those things. Heaven is a closed door. So we want to warn people, not criticize, not judge, not to put anybody down, but to warn them. This is the way of God. We can't change his word or his ways for anyone. Right? So a reprobate mind means you can do what you want, how you want, live the way you want, and everybody should honor that. Well, that's fine if you want to, but there's an end result to that. There's a consequence to that. It's eternal separation from God and suffering in the lake of fire for eternity. And if that's what you want, I guess that's what people can have. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. Here we have a place where Jesus highlights gratitude and ingratitude. Gratitude and ingratitude. Luke 17, beginning at verse 11, tells us, and it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice 
glorified God. What's a man supposed to be doing on the earth? Glorifying God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were not there ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God. What are we supposed to do? Glorify God. Save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. There's something to be seen here. First of all, Jesus emphasizes the fact that he is a Samaritan. means he's a foreigner. He's not part of the Jewish faith. And here this Samaritan comes and he gives thanks. The Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They snubbed their nose at him. But the other nine, they're not coming back to be thankful. They're not going to show gratitude. They went off with an attitude of ingratitude. Now, I don't know if this is law, and I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. But some commentaries have said, these who went the nine got healed of leprosy. In other words, it stopped operating in their bodies. But the one that came back with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving and thanked the Lord, it says he was made whole, a different word that's used there. His body parts that were removed were restored. So in other words, we can operate with that degree of ingratitude and just get your healing and go off with that. Or you can truly go back to the source of the miracle and give God the glory that he deserves and have restored your fingers, tip of your nose, your ears, lobes, made whole once again. Not just healed, but restored and made whole. Body parts, praise God, being reproduced in, in his life. The possibility does exist. But anyhow, Jesus knew the value of gratitude, and we see it here. Look in Matthew chapter 15, where he displayed it once again and demonstrated the importance of gratitude in the life of any believer. He understood the need to give thanks to his Father, and really, he's Jesus. Is he not? Does he really need to do this? He's the Son of God manifested in the flesh. But no, he respected the Father. He honored the Father. Remember, he is the God-man. He's 100% man, 100% God. Hypostatic union of deity and humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. He represents both deity and humanity combined in one. And here on this earth, what does he do? He displays gratitude and thankfulness like no other. And remember, he doesn't mince words. He does everything correctly. So let's look at the verses in Matthew 15, beginning at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a number? And Jesus saith unto them, Well, how many loaves have ye? And they said seven and a few little fishes. And one says, what's this among such a great amount of people? He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and fishes, and what did he do? What did he do? He gave thanks. Seems like a small thing, doesn't it? But it's not. Because you see, he gave thanks and break them. 
And gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And the number of them was like 4,000 plus women and children that were fed. So in other words, Jesus was not looking at what they had without giving thanks. He wasn't going to limit the miracle by saying this is all we have. He saw what he had and used it. And when he gave thanks, it multiplied. The disciples saw what they didn't have. We don't have enough to feed this multitude of people. So what are we going to do? Where can we go and buy all the food to bring it here? No McDonald's around. No Wendy's. Eden Park, whatever. What are we going to do? What do you have? Oh, I like that. What do you have? He doesn't expect us to use anything except for what we have. What do you have? Well, we've got seven fish, a few loaves. Okay, now give thanks. Give thanks for what you have. And watch God multiply it. Stop complaining about what you don't have. See, ingratitude focuses on what we don't have. Gratitude focuses on God's provision. Knowing that no matter what we have, he's more than enough to multiply it. He's more than enough to meet the need. So it's important that we recognize whether or not our focus is on the right thing. That's the thing about ingratitude. The focus is wrong. The perspective is wrong. We're not looking at the right thing. We're not to look on what we don't have. But what we do have and know that God can multiply it. So let's expose a little bit of ingratitude. Can I meddle a little bit? Is that okay? Anybody here mind? Okay. So the alarm clock goes off in the morning. And what we do is jump up and just say, wonderful. This is a wonderful day. The Lord's made for me to rejoice and be glad in. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I can't wait to just get together and go to work. Or school. Isn't that what we say? Well, that would be gratitude. For another day of living. Do we do that or do we go. Oh Lord. Do I have to go to work again. Oh this mundane routine. Of getting up and what. How much laundry. Are you kidding me. Oh my. It's a very subtle thing. It's an attitude adjustment. It's an adjustment of our perspective and focus. Did we get up and say, thank you for another day of living? The air that I breathe, the water I drink, the roof over my head, and so on and so forth. Okay, look at the next one. I've got taxes to pay. Do we say, I thank you, Lord, for my job? Or why does the government have to take so much money that I make? And complain and complain and complain. Now, I agree with that, but the point is, do you ever stop and think about the fact that you've got a job? Shouldn't you be thankful for the job that you have? Shouldn't you have gratitude in your heart that I've got a job, that I make money, that I have to pay taxes? Isn't that better? So, in other words, we can adjust the attitude and just say, I'd rather focus on the fact that I've got a job, and that's why I pay taxes. If I didn't have a job... I wouldn't have to be concerned about paying taxes. I wouldn't be making any money. Look at the next one. The driveway is cluttered with toys, bicycles, 
and so on and so forth. And you're driving home from work and you're ready to pull in your driveway, but there's a bicycle here, there's this, that there, and the other thing there, and so on and so forth. Oh, my goodness. Every time I come home, all I have to do is get out of the car, move all this stuff, get the car in the garage, etc., etc. Do we complain or do we do this? Thank God I have children. It never bothered me to drive home from work and pull up to my driveway. There's a bicycle here, a bicycle there, and other things in the driveway. I would just get out of the car and just go, you know, move the stuff. But, you know, something happened to us about 18 years ago when Andrew was born. And, you know, his story, of course, being miraculously healed when he was not expected to live at all. When I used to go home from work in his Lightning McQueen car, Hot Wheels, Lightning McQueen car was parked smack in the middle of the driveway near the bottom where I couldn't even pull in. I would drive down the road and just put a big smile on my face. Hallelujah, I've got an Andrew. Thank you, Lord, for Andrew lives. He did not die, and he declares the works of the Lord. Oh, what a joy it was to be able to come home and see that driveway filled with all those things. What a difference. Rather than complaining, I was thankful that the Lord intervened and made provision for him to be alive. See, it's just a matter of perspective and adjusting our attitude. Look at the next one, ladies. I've got so many clothes to wash and dry and fold and put away. Mundane practice every single day of my life. But that's all I do, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and of course, it, it's, it's a job. It's a lot to do. So what do you do? Do you look down there in the laundry and just say, thank you for providing, Father. Thank you. Your word declares that don't be concerned about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. And obviously, we've got a lot to wear here. So you have made provision for us to have all these clothes that I will gladly wash, dry, and put away. What a difference when you adjust the attitude and you see it that way. Now, I know you're probably not like the Israelites wanting to just have your clothes, one set of clothes that grow on your back for the rest of your life. Can you imagine that? How many shoe stores would go out of business? I would love it. I have such a hard time finding shoes. I would absolutely love it if these just stayed the way they are for the rest of my life. <laughs> Wouldn't have to buy another pair or a suit and anything else. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not the way it is. You'd have less laundry, <laughs> right? But you'd be in the same clothes every single day. Unless he changed their colors and everything. Look at the next one. Do you love this one? Pumping gas in the cold. Who likes doing that? Not too many like doing that, especially when the wind is kicking up and really blowing in your face and you're standing there and all of a sudden the pump just wants to go really slow. Did you ever have one of those? I think I stood there at one pump one time. It must have taken me 15 minutes to fill it up. It was going so slow, it was unbelievable. Finally, when I got done and my hand was like this, I went inside and I said, what's the matter with the pump? Oh, we've been having problems with it. It's really slow. I said, really slow? Moses was a little faster than that. But it was really, really, really slow. 
So what do we do? We stand there and complain? Or do we say, thank God I have a car? Notice your perspective change. Let's not complain about pumping gas when you say, hey, thank God I've got a car that I can drive that gets me to where I need to go. So be thankful for the car that you have, even though you've got to pump gas in it. How about this one? Tight-fitting clothes. Huh? What do you say? Thank God I got a lot of food. Thank God for extra pizza, pasta, pepperoni, pasta vazul, pepperoni and whatever else you want with it. Calzones, name it, extra. Just slow down a little bit, all right? Be thankful, praise God, for what you have. You're going to love this one. Did you ever hear anybody sing off key? Have you ever heard anybody really sing off key and you wonder, why are you singing? Have you ever done that? I, 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 that's why I don't sing. I don't sing. I know me. So I don't sing. Or do you say, um, thank God I can hear. Thank God I can hear. I can hear that person sing off key, but I can hear. Right? Thank God for hearing. See, it's easy to focus on the negative and be a pessimist or than, than it is to focus on the positive. Why? Because once again, it's easy to develop an attitude of ingratitude and not really focusing on the things that we should be thankful for. Look at the next one. Anybody here have a long Christmas list? Some do, some don't. But if you do, do you say, well, thank God I've got a lot of family and friends. Or do you say, oh my goodness, all these people I got to buy something for. Heavens, what am I going to do? Once again, focus. Gift cards. We live in a day that you cannot buy someone clothes. I'll tell you right now. Don't even try it. I've told my wife, whatever you, you, whatever you like, you go ahead and get it. Because I, I know I'm not going to be able to do it. And you know, when you see people go themselves and have to take the clothes back that they bought themselves. My mother was good for that. Oh, I'm telling you, we, one day I just said, I've got it. I've got it. My mother would always take everything back that you bought her for Christmas or whatever. So I thought, forget it. I'm going to do it the right way. Hey, mom, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go shopping. I'm going to get you some clothes, whatever you want, a dress, whatever you need, a coat. Okay. She said, okay, let's do it. Take her out shopping. She buys this dress that she likes. Loved it. Beautiful. Go home. Next day, she takes it back. I said, if you can't buy your own dress, how am I going to pick up? From that point on, it was just money. Cash, in a card, love your mom, buy what you want. You know what I'm talking about? There you go. How about, you know, my arm hurts. Thank God you have an arm. My ear hurts. Thank God you have an ear. Whatever it might be, thank God that you have it, right? Amen. Focus. Let's conclude with Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and do an evaluation, a self-evaluation. Am I a complainer? Do I display ingratitude? Am I focusing on the wrong thing? Am I not seeing the right thing? Am I not appreciating the value of whatever I have and not recognizing its worth in my life? Or am I one of those that just, once again, just displays ingratitude and thankfulness? I'm not thankful for what I have. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. 
As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How? Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with, not in gratitude, but abounding with what? Notice, abounding with thanksgiving, overflowing with thanksgiving. Now notice this, this is in Christ, being established in the faith. How grateful we are to be, or are we to be before God, for all that he's done for us, for who he is, and all that he's done for us in Christ. That's just the beginning of our walk with him, getting a revelation of all that he's done for us, giving thanks to the Father who is able, who has enabled us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We are partakers of this wonderful inheritance. And if we can't be grateful or thankful for that, and we display in gratitude, there's something wrong with our revelation of who he is and what he's done for us. And so in order to have a thankful heart, we must have a revelation of all the great things he has done for us. I've counseled many people who have said to me, when God does something for me, then I'll give him thanks. And all I want to say is wake up. Wake up. You're, you're demonstrating your ignorance of the scriptures and of God himself. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no verbalness, neither shadow of turning. You know what that means? Everything you have, all that you are, all that you know, all that you have, all that you can do, has come from the throne of Almighty God. You are not on your own. I'll guarantee you this. If it wasn't for him, you couldn't breathe when you wake up tomorrow morning. You wouldn't be able to open up your eyes tomorrow morning. If it were not for him, you've got, there's nothing that you can do. It's who we are, what we have, what we know, what we can do. You have no revelation. You have no knowledge. You have no understanding. You have no ability. You see that in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. When he said, look at what I've done. Look at this, this kingdom that I've created. And the Lord says, what? What did you say? And boom, he went insane, lost his mind. It was like an animal living in the wilderness, nails growing like claws, hair, etc., the whole bit. Finally, the day came when he opened up his, God opened up his eyes. He had a revelation that without him, he is nothing, period. He came to his senses and repented and said, I didn't do anything, man. You did it all. Amen. So are we thankful? Are we grateful to him for who he is and all that he's done for our spouses and having wonderful relationships for our children and their lives, our friends and family, etc., etc., our church revelation of who God is and what he's given us in his word. God wants us to be a people of gratitude, not ingratitude. So let's all stand together.